Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. The Pope and Young Club wants to welcome you as we rally together to ensure our bow hunting opportunities for today and tomorrow. You've come to the podcast that believes in preserving, protecting, and promoting the passion for bow hunting. Join us as we strive to be the voice of today's bow hunter. This is the Pope and Young Podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Pope and Young Podcast. This is Jason Roundsville. I am joined by my co-host, Dylan Ray, and we have straight from Ancient, one of our corporate partners. We have Andrew Miller with us. Thanks for joining us today. You bet. Hey, we've been, uh, gosh, I guess working together about a year now or, or maybe a little more. So I'm definitely excited to have you on board. For anybody listening that that doesn't know about ancient tell us what you do the goal, is, uh, the goal is just to get people close man it's um you know uh, it started as me not having a solution that fit my needs for archery hunting a lot of the desert terrain in nevada arizona utah stuff so i hit the drawing board and uh basically went full circle with a with a a moccasin design and uh just brought it back into the the hunting industry and it's been growing like wildfire man it's almost more than one guy can handle at this point and the goal is just to get people close and give them a quality product that they can wear i mean some of the some of the products that are out there are more of just a you know strictly stocking put them over your boot style things like that i was looking for kind of an all-day all-day solution that i can wear with a light pack and just you know cover ground and be able to uh to cover a bunch of different type of terrain and this is what fit my needs so i i uh took took some savings money and and threw the idea out there and it's been growing ever since well that's i know dylan and i were were at a mountain archery festival we saw this and we're like that's cool that is absolutely a hundred percent our our people and so you know we started talking right away and and uh 
it's it's been a good fit. I know you've been a big supporter since you jumped on board, and we appreciate it. Um, you know, Let me one just question, throw this out there, Jason. Yeah. I wear I wear my daily like they're Walmart shoes for me. Like I'll wear them yeah. to church. They're, they're, my, they're my dress shoes. Yeah. See, I never understood that. Like back in the day, because I have been to church, despite what Dylan may think. <laughs> I've actually been to church. I mean, my mom made me and all. But anyway, um, you know, they'd be like, okay, put on your best clothes and go to church. I come walking out in my camo gear because I'm like, well, that's by far the most, the most expensive, expensive stuff yeah. I own. And it, that's not what I meant. So the girls anyway. don't get it when you go to a gala and coo you, you know, it's like, this is worth yeah. way more than that I got hanging up. Yeah. In there. yeah. It's like, this is, this is an $872 Sitka coat. That guy's whole, <laughs> that guy's whole three piece suit was 299 bucks at men's warehouse. Come on now. If anybody already so. doesn't want to talk to me wearing this, I didn't want to talk to them anyway. So yeah. what well, they got <laughs> yeah. nothing for me. Yeah. <laughs> So it's, uh, anyway, I, you know, right before it, we, we started the, the, uh, recording just a smidge early. Cause we started talking about stuff and I'm like, you know, we got to record this. People want to hear this. And so my question to you was if you have a nickname, I said, you know, what's your nickname? Cause a lot of folks in the industry have a nickname and your nickname is I, I did not have one, but you guys are proposing yeah. one. And like yeah. I said, I'm we're not proposing it. We're establishing it. Yeah. This okay. just, I mean, it's established as of now. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Pre recording, <laughs> he said, Well, my nickname's Miller. It's just my last name. And I'm like, That's not a nickname. I'm like, Your friends clearly don't have much, you know, of a vision or an extended vocabulary or something. <laughs> but I am implementing, I think we, Dylan, I think we implementing, we're implementing the moccasin man. So you, you I like on, it. Yeah. This, you will be the moccasin man. I'll write it down. And when I get the inquiries to say, hey, is this the moccasin man? I'll be like, yeah, it's him. Let me get yeah. my cape. Yeah. And so yeah, we're changing your business cards. Yeah. <laughs> and, and email address. So it's just, like yeah. It. There's no more Andrew Miller. It's moccasin man at bam. So I'll, I'll get a separate email just in case it goes viral. And, and Okay. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's, you know, in your defense, you, you know, you did say that you did not invent the moccasin, but I would argue that you're reinventing the moccasin. Cause in my mind that, you know, it's like, I don't know. It's just not something that I had put any thought to in 30 years and all of a sudden it's like check those out those are cool like they're cool it's not just something that you could wear because it could help you get closer to game it's like they're actually cool and yeah. so and what I don't was know your... if dylan's on the same page as you dylan have is it something that you thought about when you're stalking around in the woods before you saw uh the ancient products um i was a barefoot guy so yeah i thought about it all the time i'm like why and really my idea was like why don't somebody make padded socks like at least to cushion your feet mm -hmm. um and then i saw those and i'm like no brainer dude and i get home and and i seriously thought to myself i'm like my wife's gonna hate these but i'm gonna <laughs> wear them all the time and uh i just started wearing them and she loves them she's like they look not like they look cool nice. and uh if the if you have the woman's approval to wear them around town yeah you're doing good done deal yeah, yeah I well and for you, it was a huge upgrade, you know, because before yeah. that, all you wore was Crocs. And so yeah. now you've upgraded to yeah. your uh, moccasins. So, 
And I, I still, I, I still wear Crocs ninety percent of the time. Ability <laughs> comments, Dylan. But one of the things that I try to stress to people is off-road use only, because I've had guys that hit me up after owning them for three or four months, and they're like, "Dude, I blew a hole through them." And I'm like, "What are you doing? You know, like, what are you doing on a daily basis? You must be stocking a lot of critters." And they're like, "No, no, I work construction." And I'm like, "Well, you need to go get your Red Wings, bud. Like, these aren't <laughs> these aren't." pavement and concrete and all that stuff they're purpose built for off-road use you know and that uh that leather suede sole isn't really uh concrete friendly but i did uh, try to slow down wearing them because i remember i remember texting i'm like is it good that i wear these like all the time and and your response was for longevity no for marketing yes (laughs) (laughs) so i did try to slow down on them but i do i find myself wearing them quite often um just all the time but yeah yeah. So, so not, so for off-road use only. All right, folks, you heard that straight from the moccasin man um, for off-road use only, although they're so cool. You're going to want to wear them every day. Is that and, basically And they're so comfortable. They're yeah. so comfortable. You're going to want to wear them every day. They lend themselves pretty easily to like a wedge sole. So who knows if that's in the works or not, you know, to have some streetwear with the, uh, with the old ancient logo on there. You got a lot of things in the works. I think he just That's dropped awesome. a teaser. You heard I think it here so. first, folks. It's it's years out, man. I mean, being a one man band, it's so hard to incorporate everything I want to do. You know what I mean? At at, at any sort of speed, uh, I've learned so much patience with this concept. Uh, I think you you were saying I reinvented the moccasins, and it seems like every industry I've been in, I'm always reinventing something. Man, I grab onto like a multi-tool of some sort when I'm a pipe fitter, when I'm in engineering, I'm like, how do I combine my pencil and my, my ruler and all this stuff into one? Like I'm always just that, that creative mindset of, of reinventing things and, and making life easier for people. So yeah, this is an ever evolving thing where hopefully, you know, it builds up enough to where I can really stretch my, my creative brain and, and put all these things in the works. Nice. The new ancient basketball shoes coming to a court near <laughs> oh, you. Bam. This is the, the Moxon Man edition. Yeah, <laughs> Silent basketball player. I'll tell you, yeah. No no more squeaks. Yeah, think about court. all the places that silence benefits you. You yeah. just come sliding in on a, on a, on a suede sole into the, into the middle of the basketball court, you know? You yeah. know what's funny is I told my wife, I told you my wife liked them, but after a week of having them, she hated them because I would seriously sneak around the house and scare her and she couldn't hear me. <laughs> oh, <geez. laughs> You know, I'm and like the, these the things messed work. Up part, he's not kidding. No, not at all. <laughs> he's not kidding. Not at all. So yeah. was there a uh, yeah? So was there a point in your time where where you like blew a stock on a buck or something, just wearing boots, and and you're like, there has to be something better. I mean, what was 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 there like that light bulb moment where you're like, hey, we need something better for this. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was in the back of my mind. Like I said, I'm always creative and inventive and it's kind of something that had crossed paths. Like I call it my muse, you know, that, that comes, those ideas come to you every once in a while, but you figure out which ones to run with and which ones not to. And it's been there ever since I've been an archery hunter. You know, I started archery hunting when I was a kid, and, uh, but it was actually a couple of years ago when I was in Arizona, it was a uh, January for an over the counter mule deer hunt. And I had my old man with me. And he's not quite as uh, as agile as I am. So usually if I take off on a stock, you know, he'll hang back a couple hundred yards. He was actually, he stayed back about 200 yards. Just, and I, just so you know, that's that's what I call it too when I can't quite keep up. <laughs> I'm just going <laughs> to 
I'm just going to hang back. You, you run up the mountain and I'll, you know, I'm just going to hang back. So I'll keep an eye on things from here. Yeah. Know, yeah. Does arrive. Um, but yeah, he stayed back about 200 yards and I took off after him and uh, he was watching me the whole time and he had a range finder. So he's range finding the deer. He's range finding me trying to see how close I am, if I'm going to shoot or not. But I was down, you know, creeping as slow as I could. There was some does milling around and I knew I had a little bit of cover sound, but after I got to about 50 yards and blew the stock out, which is, you know, normal to your archery hunting. That's how we roll. Um, deer blow out all over the place. And I go walking back to my dad. I'm like, Oh, that was fun. You know? And he's like, I want to tell you something. He's like, I range finded you at hundred yards. I range finded those deer at 200 yards. So you were dead nuts in between the middle of us. And he's like, I watched you creeping as slow as you could, you know, with your boots on. He's like, I could hear every step you were taking, and you know, wow. just, just kind of being downwind and hearing you at a hundred yards and, and being, you know, once you're out there for a day or two, you're kind of in tune with the nature sounds and stuff. And he could hear the rocks kind of crumbling underneath me in the sagebrush and stuff. So uh, that kind of, you know, spurred me when you're in the moment, you don't realize how much your sound really echoes. You know, we don't have the ability to hear, uh, you know, on the other side of, of our circle. So to have somebody on the outside of that circle that was tuned in and listening for me, you know, almost as if the deer would be, no, yeah. kind of the idea. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna keep running with this idea and, and see where it ends up. So that was that was the biggest seed, I would say. Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people like have you ever been walking through the woods and all of a sudden you look over at your your buddy and you could hear like every step that they make sounds like they're crunching sticks and leaves and brush and everything else. And you're like, gosh, they're noisy. And I think <laughs> Always, I think you know. our brains program it because we know that ne- like we're not listening for our steps. So I think our brains actually program it almost not to hear our steps. Cause then I've done that before where I'm like, how can this guy be that loud? And then if you objectively listen, it's like, well, I, I guess I'm that loud, but my, your, I just don't think your brain picks it up. So you know, it almost took something like that. I've noticed it too, where if you got a guy with, you know, like lower end boots, maybe they just ran to Walmart first trip, they're just getting out there, getting started, or they got some hand-me-downs that aren't perfectly fit for them. Like you've got an airspace in your toe box or around your heel or whatever it is. And to me, it's almost like an amplifier. You know, I'm like, I want to get everything as close as I can to your foot, as muffled as we can to your foot, just to, just to deaden any of that extra noise, because you got a big clumpy sole with dead space in your boots. And it's like, you might as well be wearing a speaker, you know, stomping around out there with two speakers on your feet, trying to make as much noise as you can. Um, I, 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 as I've evolved with this business, I noticed when guys are walking next to me in the field and stuff, you know, it's like, man, those boots are noisy. It's not, not per se. It's you Maybe It might be the size of your foot. It might be that particular style of sole it might be the airspace that's in the shoe, but there's a lot of different factors. And, you know, once I've got some some funds for a marketing campaign of some sort to compare, you know, just the different, different sounds and sizes of, of boots. It's definitely going to be out there because it's a, it's apparent to me, you know, and I'm sure other people have noticed it. They just haven't paid as much attention to it. Yeah. So what, without buying moccasins, what kind of silent tips do you have like to stay more silent? It's that barefoot mentality, man. But I've like, I've noticed I can almost chart, um, like an August, September up spike and urgency in sales when people hit me up and they're like, dude, I was stalking a deer last week barefoot. I still got yeah. two weeks left, but I stepped right on a cactus. How fast can you get me a pair? You know, there's a there's a definite sense of urgency in the middle of archery seasons here in the West where people are like, dude, I 
you know what I mean? Like I saw your shoe and it didn't click until I just blew a stock, you know, it just automatically triggers with people yeah. and they're like, get them now. I got two weeks left and, and those are going to get it done. You know, so it's luckily it's a, it's a product that almost sells itself. Like people see it and they're like, that's what's been needed. But as far as, yeah, staying silent for me, it was uh, the barefoot, but nowadays I can't take the damn trash out without, you oh. know, whimpering finding for a day or two because my my feet are so i don't know brittle i guess you know just fragile uh they're not not designed like they used to be we used to be a hell of a lot tougher back in the old days and uh just walking across the the driveway i step on a pebble with bare feet and i start limping <laughs> yeah uh, man i don't even like to hardly go to the bathroom in bare feet i'm i'm just like i've, I've always been soft-footed and so yeah. for me for me, barefoot is just not an option. So I've got to have something like this to even, to even try it. And, you know, and I am a, I'm a, a 80% Midwest whitetail hunter and we have it easy because I'll literally go in, you know, preseason and blow out a trail to get, you know, the leaf blower to get to my blind or my tree stand quiet or rake it or whatever. Um, but I'll tell you, I did even notice more so when I started wearing those to the tree stand, just walking in, I would stumble upon more deer than I used to because I would get closer before they heard me. Um, mm -hmm. And so you know, it's a different game here, a uh, complete different game. But I did notice like I am getting in quieter because I'm walking up on more more deer um, without them blowing out before I get to my blind. And so I did notice that. And even two different times, had they been of any size whatsoever, I could have shot them because they didn't stand up out of the, out of the woods until, you know, I was at 12 yards and then they, they, you know, they notice something's going on. They stand up and, and I'm like, if you were of any size, you would be killed uh, mm -hmm. because you're standing at, at 12 yards from me right now. Um, and so I noticed a big, like it was a game changer for me. Um, even in the Midwest woods here. Yeah. You figure people have been hunting in boots for so long, uh, you know, deer have been, generationally trained to to listen for what a boot sounds like you know and this is this is a bit of a game changer it's not that typical boot sound where they kind of let right. their guard um you know it's just like out here you walk up to a group of elk sitting on a horse you know it's you get a hell of a lot closer than you do rolling up on them in a truck you know yeah. they, they've simulated yeah. vehicles with danger and they don't assimilate horses with danger just like the sounds of boots compared to to moccasins or a little bit more quiet quiet step mm. um yeah, it's been it's been crazy. Um, and I, I do get a lot of the Midwest inquiries, too, because guys are realizing that the metals on their tree stands, you know, when you've mm -hmm. got a, a rubber sole. Yeah. And you're rubbing, you know, even as you're moving around, turning, doing whatever you're doing in your tree stand, that your shoes making noise on your tree stand. And they're like, man, having this leather soles harder on my tree stand that I feel like I can actually move around a little bit more without being picked off as easily. You know, hundred percent too. If you're a running gun turkey hunter, they're a game changer. Yeah, hundred percent. Isn't there a big, uh, isn't there a big uproar in, in running gun turkey hunting nowadays? <laughs> it, dude, it's all you see. Like you don't, I, I don't run into anybody sitting in a blind. Like on public ground when you're turkey hunting, um, yeah. I don't run into anybody sitting in a blind anymore. It's all they're out calling and chasing, and you know, you hear a call, and and the next thing you know, two guys are you run into somebody on the road and they're like, Oh, we're headed after a call. We just heard. And we're like, well, we are too, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, it's at least here in the Midwest. It's, it's, that's all people. I think you can thank the the hunting public guys for that, but <laughs> <laughs> I see that a lot of the e-bikes and stuff rolling turkeys. Yeah. Around. 
everybody's covering yeah. ground. Call it the poor man's elk hunt. Now everybody's starting to everybody's starting to use those same tactics. Yeah. That's that's funny that these new tactics tactics I've been using for, you know, just a smidge over 30 some years. <laughs> well now they're popular. Yeah, it's new. Same I I see that in uh it's funny how things come full circle because you see that like in goose hunting, you know, 30, 35 years ago, it was, you know, there was a huge silhouette decoy trend and then everybody went to full bodies and all this other stuff. And now there's these new decoys that are silhouettes. And I'm like, man, I, I still got a couple hundred of the new silhouettes from 1991. Thank you very much. Yeah. So. I like it when the old camel patterns come back in. Yeah. <laughs> like, ASAT. Oh, yeah. I got a bunch of that stuff. I'm cool again. Yeah. I just, every time I get a hold of anybody from Mossy Oak, I'm like, the original Shadow Grass is, is and continues to be the best I've ever seen yeah. for birds, anyway. Yeah. It's, uh, no, I saw, I mean, there's a bit of an uproar, but I think there's purists in just about any sport, you know, whether it's like fly fishing, trout fishing, deer hunting, where there's that, uh, they're calling it reaping turkeys nowadays. And I think it's more so the run and gun versus the guys that sit back and, and actually bring the turkeys. And from what I understand, but yeah, there's a little bit of a see, hot debate now in the, in the social media world about reaping turkeys. See now that reaping is like the next step. Cause you've got blind hunting where you're, pretty much stationary waiting for the turkeys to come to you mm -hmm. and uh and it's it's interesting it's it i i just got to do that in in new york um and was very successful there it was a lot of fun and then wasn't there's just the successful he was very successful yeah and then there's the run and gun which is you're literally chasing down the calls and then from my understanding i haven't done it but the reaping turkeys i was I was in camp with some guys who do that and they're literally it's not run and gun trying to get up with because i view run a gun as as getting close enough to get that turkey to respond to you and come to you and then you're still calling the turkey to you versus reaping them you're literally getting behind a big umbrella turkey fan and chasing them right into the middle of an open field and mm. sh shooting them in the face at you know four yards so it's um yeah I'm it's, still it's interesting topic but it seems to be pretty hot right now during turkey season yeah. <laughs> you know it's just like that that like i said that purist mentality you know the fly fisherman that you know won't let you fish with anything other than something native that's there as compared to like bringing something else in you know like an unnatural bait like it's a i'm not too in depth i've never hunted turkey in my life i think i've called a few of them but never never seen a turkey or a bear with horns big enough to get me excited so they're kind of out of my realm oh. <laughs> yeah that's uh you know the fly fishermen that's just because they don't want to compete with you know the, if they're on their little trout stream throwing their flies and it's nice they just don't want to try to compete with the guy throwing a panther martin yeah i'm, I'm a yeah. i'm go to walmart and get some of that pink power bait and it usually does all right there you go yeah <laughs> That's the thing. Some, you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw this out. I'm going to announce it right on the podcast. Um, occasionally, more than one tactic could potentially work and be beneficial for you. <gasps> oh, man. oh, how oh, dare you? I was throwing it out there. Just, just sometimes more than one thing will work. I agree. Only I sometimes, so. though. Yeah. Sometimes we're searching for an argument. Yeah, especially me because I'm 
I'm out there in my size 13, you know, I don't, I'm not sure if you would equate that to, you know, earlier you said that, that your boots and the space, uh, so I'm probably out there in like a size 13 subwoofer trying to sneak through the woods. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> boom, yeah. boom, boom, boom. <laughs> it's like, is, are, is, are we going to a, uh, some kind of rap concert? Oh no, that's just Jason. He's, he's on his way up. He's coming. Riding <laughs> up the mountain. Yeah. So not anymore. Cause now I got my back here. So I just ride that and it's quiet. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very sneaky with that thing. Those are a good time, aren't they? Yeah. I got a whole garage full of those things now. Yeah. I, I, I Did you see? Well, yeah, you were there. You were at the yeah. Hunters Bash and saw the Puma. What did you think of that thing? I told them to keep that thing away from me, man. I was like, I don't have ah. room. To go, but I know that's exactly what I'm going to do if I ride it. So I'm, I'm out. It's, did you try You didn't try it? I did not. No. Oh. Not only a bunch of people at my booth. I mean, I hadn't ridden a dirt bike in a couple of years, but the last thing I wanted to do was dump that thing while I got customers sitting there waiting in my booth and wreck his brand new prototype and i was like yeah i was on two hours of sleep that day and i'm like yeah the last thing i need is a adrenaline rush to wipe me out and end up yeah i'm not a fun oh my gosh i'm not a dirt bike guy at all but i jumped on that thing and apparently i am a wheelie guy because i started taking off next thing i it, it just it's got it has twice as much power as you expect it to have and i mean i never like really got on the throttle i just you know like gave it a little juice to get going and next thing you know you're up on oh if i thought for one second that i had the skills to be able to ride that and not hurt myself i would have one i there's just no question it was that was that cool i get into that situation even with the bikes you know i I live right at the the mccullough mountain range which is what the shoes are named after but it's sheep country so i can jump on a bike cruise up sheep trail but the thing is, is the bike will get me there. The skills got to get me out of there. Yeah. You know, or I end up on the edge of a cliff and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go ahead and step off the bike now and go ahead and walk this thing back down because how the hell did I even get here? Right. Right. Well, and it's a lot easier riding a bike uphill than coming down. You have a little more control going up than you do coming yeah. down. Yeah. Not only that, you're just focused on getting to the top of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. I find I, I was doing that uh, for my Elksies. I was riding them up and then uh, blind hunting in the evenings. And then all of a sudden, same type of thing, not, not cliff faces, but now I'm coming down through, you know, these sagebrush hills and stuff at night, trying to figure, pick through, pick my way through there with the headlamp. And I'm like, how did I even get here? <laughs> so yeah. anyway, well, what's, uh, so you mentioned like potentially a shoe. What is the next big thing that ancient is dropping? The next big thing is going to be the version 2.0, which I've been working on basically since the start of version 1.0. I've got buddies that are guides and outfitters and some you know, some really respected names in the outdoor industry. Um, that is basically a team of mine, probably 10 guys that, you know, I'm like, I need you guys to beat the living hell out of these version 1.0s. You know, I mean, this is the best that I could come up with. I'm not a professional by any means. I can, you know, I, I hunt as much as I possibly can, but I'm not a pro. I don't live out here. I don't get paid to do this. I'm not, you know, killing 60 animals a year. Like some of these guys are doing. I'm like, I need, you know, real honest feedback. How can we perfect this and kind of, and kind of build from it. So the last couple of years, it's been a, you know, just taking input and insight from, from guys that do it on a daily basis and, and building a version 2.0. 
which will cover all the bases. I think version 2.0 is going to be one of those, you know, it's built for 10% of the crowd, but it works for everybody. Okay. Uh, type of thing. And um, I've actually, I've getting a lot of, a lot of inquiries for um, wholesale stuff, you know, different, uh, different companies that want to start carrying my products and, and trying to figure out how I can actually incorporate that with version 2.0, you know, like bigger volume right now. It's a real mom and pop outlook on supply and inventory and trying to manage everything uh, on, on just a working man's budget. Uh, but as things have grown over the last couple of years, I've got to start thinking bigger and figuring out how version 2.0 can really, you know, be on the shelf at archery shops near you to where people can try them on or be available. That'd be great. Yeah, be available through large uh, online retailers and stuff. So uh, it, it's bigger scale that I'm I'm learning as I go. You know, it's not a it's not overly stressful for me, but it's incorporating all the designs, making sure that that that's perfected before it actually comes to market, and then actually scaling scaling the business. But definitely one of the things on the back burner is you know to incorporate a wedge sole of some sort because there's not a lot of lifestyle footwear that still encompasses uh hunters and outdoorsmen you know like we all want to we're going to an event regardless of what it is our wife wants us to go to a work function we're going to throw on a kuu t-shirt we're going to throw on something that assimilates us with the outdoor industry and the hunting industry you know and i feel like this is kind of an untapped market unless you're rocking big you know uh trekking boots out to the park with your kids type of thing you know so um yeah i i I, obviously my main focus is archery footwork getting people close making sure that's perfected and keep keep building on variations of that but i think it'd be a fun uh, pet project also to just kind of do some streetwear type type stuff when when we're not out in the field and hunting we can still be assimilated with a cool footwear brand that you know connects with us absolutely now now you mentioned, you know, hey, it'd be great to be in archery shops. Where can people see you? Where where are you going to be, you know, um in the in the next where can they come see you this summer or or I, they- I halted all travel plans this year? Uh I I limited myself on draw tags. I mean as much as I want to hunt, you start a company in the hunting industry and and all of a sudden your busy seasons during hunting season, <laughs> you know. Yeah which is okay. You know, I mean, I, I realize that there's going to be a little bit of sacrifice in my leisure time to get out and hunt and stuff. But, um, this year, yeah, I, I didn't end up signing up with the mountain archery fest. Uh, I came and did the, the thing with you guys, which is cool because I got to yeah. meet the back guys and, and kind of see that country and, and be out there a little bit, but yeah, not a whole lot of travel plans at the moment. It's more so just buckled down, you know, trying to build this thing uh, out. And so far the, you know, the online presence has been, has been sufficient to where people, I always have a free exchange policy. You know, they, they contact me, uh, tell me what size they wear. I refer them, uh, for which size and, and which style, because there's a couple of different styles in the men's and the women's. And, um, if, if they don't feel like it's a perfect fit then send them back and I'll get you, you know, the next size that, that will be a perfect fit. And nice. The last thing I want out there is somebody who doesn't, you know, enjoy their shoes or isn't going to use them. You know, I'm like just full, full money back. The last thing I need is, you know, somebody who's, who's not content with their product. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's been just a lot of, uh, online logistics, uh, to date. And it's going to continue to be that until I can, you know, actually have a team out there that can, you know, as far as resellers that can help me, you know, show the product and, and get people fitted properly. Gotcha. Well, I hope you've got Reno in April on your calendar what for is the that convention. 
that's our uh, biannual convention. Need to next. make sure next April in Reno. Yeah. So um, be a good opportunity to get in front of a lot of our folks and, and let them see your product. Cause I, I see like, you see the excitement. You're like, Hey, that's really cool. That's, that's unique. I mean, Hey, the moxin man came through for us on this, but uh, it's nice if you can get your hands on them and see them and look at them. And, and there was a rave cause we had two pair last year on the silent auction and there was a rave, dude. People were picking them up, looking at them. I mean, People loved the the yeah. design, the look, the feel. Yeah, People as a them. as a product owner, you know, I'm learning that the the in person stuff is helpful, but I, there's some downsides to it. You know, where when you're you got a booth set up and everybody's got to cross path you, cross past you, whether they like your product or they don't like your product, they're gonna stop because it's it's in their way. It's like kind of kind of catchy, but some people are like, man, that's just not my style. I would never use that. You know, what I kind of like about the online side of it is if that happens, most people don't comment on your post right. and let you know, in person, you still have to kind of deal with that negative energy, but online yeah. it seems to be always constant positive energy. So I'm trying to learn uh, back and forth there. And then when I met you guys at Mountain Archery Fest, I didn't sell at all, you know, in the booth, it was just more display, more, more marketing, more networking, getting to know people. Yeah. And I really enjoy those events. So until I can get uh, some help on site with selling. I, I don't like going back and forth because when I go into a salesman mindset and I'm trying to actually push suit, shoes and pay for the event and stuff like that, you know, I almost black out in a sense, you know, where you're in sales mode and you're trying to, you know, right. talk to the person to get them fitted and run a card here and do that stuff. And it's just so, uh, so busy that, you know, a lot of the people that purchased from me at the back to event, I saw them later that evening uh, for the, for the dinner you know, and they're like, oh, dude, I really like my shoes. And I was just like, I'm trying to remember your name, your face. Like when I, when I'm just there chatting with people, I know that's, right. that, that's cool. But when you get into the sales side of thing, it just, as a one man show, it gets pretty, uh, pretty difficult. So I got to figure out how to do that and still, you know, keep my peace while I'm at these, these events type of thing. Yeah. It, yeah. It's hard to, cause there is, there's definitely, um, like a mental switch that you have to do from sales mode um, or, or promotion mode, you know, mm -hmm. on one side, on one side, I want to get in front of a hundred people today and let them all know about this for, you know, residual stuff. And then on the other side, it's like, Hey, I need to sell 10 t-shirts today. Mm -hmm. And, and it's a different, it's, it's a, you know, and, and you have to be able to have both in your repertoire because sometimes you have to just sell 10 t-shirts and other times you just need to get in front of as many people as you can. So, yeah. And I, uh, I have a little bit of a sales background. I did door to door sales when I was waiting to get into the union as a kid uh, for construction. And that's the only like sales training I have, which is like fast, quick hustle, more no's get you closer to a yes just go 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 so it's almost just like my brain just goes into like full hustle mode and i like i black out for the most part you know i don't yeah. remember names and faces and i'm like that's not what i'm trying to create here you know i mean that's the only uh the only training and background i have but i gotta find a balance yeah i used to sell subscriptions to the cottage grove sentinel newspaper door to door and mm -hmm. i think 
three years in a row, I was in the top three for sales. And then I look at it and I'm like, man, I lived out in the sticks. Like if I, if I hit 10 houses, I had to walk three miles. And some of these other people were like in town, they walked three miles. They could hit a thousand people. I'm like, this isn't fair, you know, but anyway, it turned out. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, that door to door sales, man, you want to, you want to talk about earning it. That's how you earn it. Did you get a good, you get some sales, you know, experience, but it's uh especially out, i mean out here the sales experience was like jumping out at stoplights asking people yeah. if they want to buy coloring books for their kids or like these chinese made 18 volt drills and stuff just whatever yeah. was in my car that day that i was supposed to sell you know and it was just like trying to rack up as many no's as possible so you could find a yes <laughs> it was yeah. just a, a numbers game and i'm like that's the only training i know so i start wandering out of the booth trying to sell stuff yeah <laughs> yeah it's neat and there's um you know the the Mount Archery Festival events, there's a, there's a good vibe there. Everybody's, you know, you're up on the mountain, you know, rain or shine, everybody's typically in a pretty good mood. So it's. Yeah. And Brandon, I mean, the owner of the Mountain Archery Fest, I mean, he's a, he's a live wire, man. I just like being oh, in his presence. Such a, yeah. you know, go getter. He's always 110 miles an hour and it's, it's good to see him. You know, I, I feel like he's family at this point, you know, just from talking yeah. to him of times and hanging out with him a few times and he still reaches out on a personal level all the time you know he understands i'm not going to make it this year and i wish them the best but hopefully next year we'll we'll be able yeah. to be there yeah you know, when you there. start you start talking about positive energy man that guy he's you're in the room with them you're not even mount archery festival outside you're just in the presence of that guy and there's positive mm -hmm. energy yeah so, good people which is, it, it is and i think that's why if you look at at a lot of, you know, even some of the folks are our new partners, like, like you guys. And, um, there's, it is, it just creates a really positive energy and they're, they're doing a lot of the right things. I was just, um, last weekend there at the one in, uh, in Utah, just outside of park city. And it is, I mean, they're making decisions not for what's best for them today, but but how can this be the best it can possibly be mm -hmm. moving forward? And, and so it's, it's neat to be a part of that, be associated with folks. You know, which I, I love to see him do. Like I can see him take on way more than he's, he's capable of. And then he just becomes a new person every year, you know, just yeah. handling. Cool. I love yeah. his job. Yeah. 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 It's, you just sometimes have to remind him, Hey man, it's okay to delegate. You don't have to, do, you do not have to do every single thing yourself. Yeah. I don't know of a small business owner that doesn't, you know, lack that skill set of delegating. You try to do everything yourself. And yeah. Yeah. End up so, on the floor. Exactly. Yeah. You just run yourself ragged and then, then it doesn't quite get done. So yeah, I think delegation is one of those skills you have to learn and, and it's, and you're going to get burned because you're going to delegate something and it's not going to get done. And guess what? That's, that's part of life. It just happens. It literally feels like you're taking a chunk off your body and handing it to somebody. <laughs> Absolutely. Back, you know, so I can reattach it when you're done. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't break it. I'm going to need this. Yeah. So are you, um, are you full-time now ancient or nope. where are you from that? Where, how, how much farther do you need to go to get there? Uh, uh, quite a long ways. I mean, I've got a pretty reliable uh, day job where I'm an uh, engineer for a, a utility company here in Vegas. And I just got a promotion two weeks ago that 
I'm still learning about and stuff. Like it seems like as I grow with the business and become more, obviously they see that. So they're, they're handing me more responsibility and it's a, I mean, much as I'd love to, that's obviously the end goal. Um, I'm not going to, I'm not going to make the business pay my way if I don't need to until, until it's necessary. Like it's going to be more of a demand thing where, you know, I need to devote more time and less time to ask company or to my utility company than, than, than it's there, you know what I mean? So I'll make that transition. But as of right now, there's no, no plan, no escape plans. Uh, It's, it's the end goal, but not nothing on paper. Yeah. That's so like a lot of small business owners, you have to have a job so that you can afford to start your business. Yes. And then fund your, and then grow your. (laughs) Yeah. It, it it doesn't yeah they don't just they don't just happen overnight and it's not free yeah yeah so. it's been a it's been a long road man and it all just keeps you know it all just keeps going right back into the business just trying to build it and and grow it you know as it yeah. as it as it needs yeah now you mentioned you weren't you weren't a turkey or a bear hunter because they they didn't have horns or antlers big enough what is the the one thing that you like to chase the most I would say sheep, um, you know, sheep are my jam. I usually end up on a sheep or sheep hunter two a year, but as far as, you know, where I'm located in Nevada, any given Sunday, I usually find my way up into the sheep hills with a camera, you know, just watching these sheep, checking these sheep out. But if I got a three day weekend, it's mule deer. Uh, it's, you know, just about anything that Nevada has to offer, you know, really gets me going elk, mule deer, antelope, sheep, you know, it's everything fairly close and, and, I'll, it's very rare that I turn down a, an opportunity to go chase after him, even though, you know, I don't have a tag or whatever's going on and say, yeah. yep, I'm going to be there. Like I got to get my fill. Nice. You know, so if, nice. if there was a chart, it's broken up pretty evenly between, you know, these, uh, these Western big game animals that Nevada has. Yeah. And they've got, you know, pretty good selection down there too. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good time this year. I drew, I only drew one tag, uh, but it's a spike elk hunt and it's a, uh, it's peak rut. September 25th through October 4th, which is pretty good rut times here in Nevada. So that should be a good time. I'm, I don't know if I'm more excited to, to grab my release or grab my camera so that yeah. I can chase some of these Nevada bulls around while they're screaming their heads off of the camera. Very cool. Get my elk fill. Yeah. Very cool. So if you could all, what's your dream hunt? What's your number one bucket list? I'm really itching for a coos hunt. Okay. And- Right now, I've also got an itch to go to Hawaii and uh, get one of those axis deer because I was out there a couple of years ago and uh, the person that I was with wasn't okay with me leaving our chartered vacation to go and chase those axis deer. So I'm like, if I ever get a chance to get back to Hawaii, I want to find one of those things in velvet and get after it because they're cool. Yeah. Yeah. Coos deer, everybody that hunts those enjoys hunting them. And as far as, you know, access deer i mean like you need an excuse to go to hawaii Hawaii, (laughs) you know i'm just glad it's back open i can't wait to get back there yeah i used to go quite a bit we ended up in the the country when we were traveling around out there and i saw some access deer hopping around and doing stuff i I have no i'm not prepared at all i can't chase these things like it was uh you know my hands were tied at the time so now i'm get back out there and do what i wanted to do but yeah the coos deer when we were at the the back coup bowhunter bash every one of those coos deer hunts that popped up i was like i can make time for that i can make time yeah. for that 
I was I was hoping that there was no reserves on the auctions and uh, I could I could kind of stag one of those like some of those African hunts go for sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, it's you know, I looked into those of a few years ago and I and I was talking to somebody, I think it was um Stephen Ward and and you can hunt them in January. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Well, man, that's great cuz what else are you going to hunt in January?" And then I started looking around at the show schedule and with ATA and, and Safari club and Dallas for, I'm like hunting January. That's not just, it's just not going to happen for me. So, <laughs> there's, like ways, there's ways to make it happen. I met, um, do you know, Chris Denham, the, he owns the, um, Western Hunter magazines. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, he hit me up last year when he was here for shop show. He's like, hey, Andrew, I'm here for SHOT Show. Like, can we meet up? Dude, I really want to check your shoes out and do this. And I was like, uh, I'll make time because I'm here in Vegas. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, down there. Like, went and met up with him at the uh, convention. He's got his backpack on. And he's like, I'm leaving right now. I'm jumping in my truck. I've got a, you know, Havelina and a coos deer hunt out in Arizona that I'm leaving for. So he's nice. he incorporate those late uh, January tags into his show schedule as well, you know, with everything he's got going on. So, yeah, it's doable. It's just, uh, it's busy. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing is maybe I just need to. Need to spend more time on the scheduling part. So, <laughs> well, when when you find yourself headed up to the mountain, here here's the magic question we ask all of our guests: When you head up to the mountain or or out to the desert, the next time that I'm heading to the mountain, no. What's one item that you find in your pack that's maybe kind of a non traditional item that that you wouldn't want to be there without? Wet wipes. Okay. That's that's a given on any I mean that's why in I, the world your your nickname's not the wet wipe man. It is now. We well, can it change it, Dylan. We're changing it. He said the title of the episode is now wet wipes man. Wet wipes man. <laughs> he said what's in your, uh what's in your pack? You know, the, the boots are usually on my feet, so that was a given. That was there awesome. you go. Okay. All right. That, that makes sense. Um Okay, I I think we can stick with Moccasin Man. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah, that was I good. Guess. Nice It'll recovery. Suffice. You know, sometimes, sometimes when you're digging the hole, you have to stop digging. But but he recovered nicely. Yeah, <laughs> I'll give it to him. There's the uh, the obvious reason for the purpose of the wet wipes, and then there's the other, um, you know, bonus reasons where usually when I when I knock something down, a buddy knocks something down, like I'm. I'm big on photography. I'm big on kind of setting the scene, uh, for those, for those final, uh, trophy shots and making sure that they're memorable. And sometimes I see the tongue hanging out with a big, you know, clot of blood or big clots of blood over on the the lung section and stuff. And those wet wipes really come in handy. Sometimes I'll just go and wipe down, you know, wipe the face down, make the animal presentable and respectable, wipe the mouth off, uh, you know, wipe that bloody area off and, and the wet wipes just, every single time now it's it's a given where they're like oh wait Andrew, let, andrew's got to clean the animal first <laughs> you know like wipe yeah. the whole thing before we start taking a bunch of photos and uh yeah it's and, and it has a nice scent to it too to where it's not a uh, overpowering if, if the shot's a little far back <laughs> gotcha yeah it's you know for me i you get an animal down and when you're taking the you know the trophy photos it just seems like you take a thousand pictures and then literally 
later you're looking through them and you're hoping there's one good one because there's always something either like the angle's right or the sun's right or there's a shadow you know right across your eyes so you can't you can only see from like here down mm-hmm. and it seems like there's just always something that keeps these 300 pictures from being exactly right so you're always hoping for the one and it's yeah. never the one i think it's going to be like you'll be there and you're like oh i think this is going to be perfect nope that one didn't turn out yeah and there's a a huge fear in me of not getting those you know especially when i'm there helping people doing stuff like i'm usually covered guy who's going to capture the moment so i make sure that uh that you know to get those because i've left hunts before and you're like none of those are going to work like none of those are good stuff and you're trying to capture you know a a once in a lifetime experience like a sheep hunt or something so it's just like that thing usually my camera's rolling the whole time yeah <laughs> Get them all. Um, but yeah i i you know I, I think as a kid you know i was really young like reading a uh, eastman's article one time and i think it was guy eastman that was talking about how you should present your animal if you want to be in a, in a magazine and stuff like that and even if it's not being entered into a magazine for an article it's just like you still want that quality on your wall you know someday to, to cherish those memories absolutely so yeah i yeah i just noticed for me i just you think you're gonna have a hundred great ones and then you just hope that one actually turns out yeah so yeah i shot a great big kudu when i was in botswana and i'm i'm there and we take all these pictures and at the time you think oh they look great and then you you blow them up on the computer screen and there's this big tree right behind it. And so you couldn't really, you could see it, but it just didn't pop. Like you would expect a, a, a big kudu to pop. So yeah, anyway, it's uh, you just never know. It gets pretty tricky nowadays too, because the more it's just like uh, photography is just like archery where and the more, you know, the harder it is. Yeah. There's times when you're, uh, you're playing with too many buttons and you end up ruining a whole photo shoot by thinking that it looked good on the, you know, on the camera itself, on the camera screen, but you get it on a computer screen. You're like, oh, that's not what I was going for. <laughs> yeah. Well, on the phone, everybody's phones nowadays take such good pictures, but it mm-hmm. just, um, and, and some of them take extraordinary pictures. You look at them, you're like, man, that's just really cool. They yeah. clearly know more about taking a picture with a phone than I do. Well, they know, they know a lot about optimizing it for that size of photo, you know, to where it looks great on your phone. Yeah, a magazine. You throw that thing onto the onto the computer screen, and you're like, "Wait, that's not the same photo." <laughs> you know, just yeah, blown out, and then the you know the background looks terrible and stuff. So yeah, I'm a little snobby when it comes to that stuff on the uh, on the camera side. That makes sense. Well, that's that's how you get the cover shot. Have you ever been on a cover? Uh, covers? No, I've had quite a few okay. articles uh, for right. my hunts or my dad my dad's hunts and stuff like that. And now it's to the point where you know, I, I took a few of the photos that I've taken for the shoot company and I blow them up to 10 feet by 10 feet for the booth. Wow. You know, it's quality that big and, uh, and, and it's figuring out those details get pretty tricky. I'll bet. Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you what, um, Mr. Moccasin, man, we appreciate having you on today, uh, taking some time for us and excited to see, the version 2.0 and everything else you're coming out with and definitely wish you continued success. I know a lot of folks are, are really excited about your products and, and 
are are not only excited about them but are vocal about them, which is kind of neat to see. Yeah, it's it's super helpful. It saves me from having to, you know, really push the marketing side and the, the grassroots growth has been absolutely awesome. You know, and I think it's got something to do with me putting my phone number in every single order that goes out. You know, call me personally. Let's handle. It. Make sure everybody's happy and we're all on the same page and. You know, I kind of, I think I mentioned this in our previous interview, but I built this thing backwards. You know, I was like, who do I want to deal with, <laughs> you know, before I go any further? And it's, I mean, archery people are my people. We can sit and have conversations for hours on end, just bullshitting about previous hunts or experiences and, you know, blown stocks. And we've all got something in common. And it's probably a blown stock somewhere along the way. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. That's, you know what, what how, what's going to bring, you know, if everybody's wearing ancient moccasins what's going to bring us together not and then we're gonna to have to talk about something other than a blown stock we're just going to be griping because we can't get enough tags you know that could is be a, it we can, we can change the tone of conversation i'm all right with that yeah yeah <laughs> that's i don't know if you can't get enough tags i just can't afford to put in for enough tags to actually get some draws going yeah so. I, it's you know having this business i get a lot of guys with like ranches in texas or guides in new mexico and you know, people all over the place that are better professionals are like, man, just give me a call. You ever want to come out and hunt some deer, you know, just, and I'm like, what do the tags cost? How is it? And they're like, no, it's private. You just come out and hunt something. It'd be cool to have you out. And I'm like, one of these years, I'm just going to write down everybody yeah. and take a complete year off of work and just say yes to everybody. Like, Hey, I'll be there in 45 minutes. Where'd you say your address was? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's see then, then you've got the guys, cause there's different folks there. There's people who mean it. They say, Hey, come out and hunt and we'll, we'll get you out. And they legitimately mean that and then mm. there's the people who just say that that yeah you know oh yeah come on out anytime and it's like hey guess what i just landed i'm here <laughs> yeah. crickets oh That's well good. gee you know yeah you know, whatever how you know oh man we just had a uh you know the the grasshoppers just came through and usually spooks the deer i, I mean they'll have an excuse so yeah. that's the first one before you take the year off you need to weed through the ones that are legit and, and the ones who aren't save a lot of headaches. <laughs> One of these days. Yeah. Well, Hey, Andrew, thanks again. Uh, appreciate you being here. Uh, look forward to continue success from you guys. Uh, appreciate you coming on as a, as a partner with us and, uh, and all the support you've thrown at us since, since we've been working together. So thank you very much and look forward to talking to you again soon. Sounds good. Thank you guys, man. It was a little uh, short notice, but I never turned down the chance to chat it up with you guys a little bit and had a good time. All right. We'll talk soon. Sounds good. Bye.